Let us pray together. Spirit of living God, fall fresh on us gathered here in this sanctuary and those who are watching us from wherever they are and send now that power on your preacher. Amen. Friends of God, over the past 12 weeks, we have been involved in two sermonic series. The first the Sermon on the Mount, where we were after trying to discover from Scripture and from Jesus' own lips, what is a disciple? And we watched in a six-week period of time as Jesus began to instruct the disciples as to what a disciple is. And then we just finished over the last six weeks, Revolutionary Kingdom, following the rebel Jesus, where we looked at tradition of of the church to see what modern scholars and modern theologians and modern pulpiteers had to say about what a disciple is. And today we start a new series called The Work of Disciples. And friends, over the next five weeks, we want to examine what God calls us to do as disciples who profess Jesus as Lord and Jesus as our Savior. And we want to examine it by using the membership vows that we professed when we joined or we profess when, when we joined or when we profess before, before now, when we began to follow and join the ministry of normal Calvary. When we took those vows, we promised to support this ministry with our prayers, with our presence, with our gifts, with our witness, and with our service. Today, we're going to look at serving God and supporting this ministry with your prayers. But first, my brothers and sisters, let me take a moment to give you my take on what a disciple is. But first, let me tell you what a disciple is not. A disciple is not just some biblical figure from antiquity who walked and talked with Jesus in the flesh. If that were the case, who would tell the good news today? A disciple is a follower, one who follows the teaching and ideologies of our Lord and big brother, Jesus. And if you have confessed Christ as your Lord and Savior and been baptized into the body of Christ, you, brothers and sisters, are a disciple because you are a part of a family of disciples. You are a part of people who follow Christ, the anointed one sent from God to lead the way, to teach us and guide us in all things God wants us to be. We are disciples because we believe Christ came, Christ died, and Christ rose again to atone our relationship with God. We are disciples because we are devoted to Christ and Christ's mission to our world. We are disciples because we are students, scholars, pupils of Christ, and as disciples, we've been given assignments. We've been given a mission, a job, a task, and the first of those all-important mission and tasks is prayer. And I like it because everybody 
can pray. It doesn't matter if you have a scholarly prayer, a written prayer, or you just have a prayer on your heart and mind. Everybody can pray. What is prayer in the biblical sense? Prayer in the Bible is how believers of God talk to God and God talks to us. It's how we make our praise and requests known to God. It's how we make our devout petitions to God. Prayer is worship. It is spiritual communion with God. Therefore, it is an essential and absolutely necessary part of worship and daily living. Prayer is supplication, thanksgiving, adoration, and confession. Above all else, it is communication with God. Praying to God is the object of our lives and the object of our faith. That says two things to me, brothers and sisters, to us especially when it comes to the art of prayer, communicating with our God. First, it says that if you are already an average prayer, keep on praying. Secondly, it says that if you have not developed the habit of continually prayer, you don't have to stay that way because Jesus is on the scene to teach us how to pray. Not only can we become a person of prayer, we can also lay down a legacy of prayer in our own families, in our home, amongst the people whom we have influence over the writer of this text that Greg just read, the physician, the physician Luke, records the events of Jesus in parallel through Matthew's gospel in this particular period of time. Oh, the book of Matthew presents Jesus as king of kings and lord of lords. But the book of Luke presents Jesus as the son of man and the son of God. And most of us are familiar with Jesus' teaching of what some call the Lord's Prayer. But more accurately, we should entitle this prayer the Disciples' Prayer or a model of prayer for disciples. Matthew takes us directly into the words of Jesus in the prayer, but Luke wants us to see how we got this prayer from Jesus' lips in the first place. The first thing that Luke wants us to know is praying involves modeling. And it came to pass, he was praying in a certain place. Jesus, brothers and sisters, are traveling with the disciples. They are, they have developed over a two-year period of time a relationship of teacher and student. And it comes to pass, he was praying in a certain place. Brothers and sisters, Luke frequently describes Jesus as the son of man depended upon God at prayer. If you read Luke 3, 21, he is praying. In Luke 6, 12, Jesus is praying. In Luke 9, 28, Jesus is praying. And in Luke 22, 32, Jesus is praying. In Luke 22, 40, Jesus is praying. And in Luke 23, 46, Jesus is praying praying. However, in this instance, in this gospel, Jesus's prayer is not attached to a particular occasion. Some people only pray mightily on certain occasions, but prayer has to be moved from being tied to a particular event to becoming a part of our lifestyle 
I know some people who only pray when they have to preach. They only pray when they have to sing. They only pray when they have to go to the doctor as they are waiting a report. They only pray between 6.15 and 7.15. They only pray in the morning. Friends, prayer has to be more than that. Prayer has to be continually communication with God and conversation with God that's interrupted by life's events. Prayer must be a continual, continual communication with God that's only interrupted by life events. Jesus models prayer, not just for the first 12 disciples, but models prayer for us 21st century disciples as well. The importance of this text says he prayed in a certain place. It wasn't in a cathedral. It wasn't in a church. It wasn't in a place that was designated holy. It wasn't in a prayer meeting. It wasn't in a worship service even. Jesus prayed where he was. And this model of prayer, this model's prayer for us, we've got to get it out of our heads that prayer can only be done at church. We've got to get it out of our psyche that prayer only happens when there's food set on the table before us. We've got to get it out of our hearts and minds that prayer is reserved for location. No, brothers and sisters, we are free in Christ. We have the authority to pray anywhere. We can pray on land or the sea or the air. We can pray in the morning or noon, night. We can pray when the house is full or we can pray when we're all alone and all by ourselves. We can pray at our job or at school or at the grocery store. We can pray in the voting booth or in the police station. We can pray in the corn crib stadium or at the convention center. We can pray when we're happy. We can pray when we're sad. We can pray during football season. We can pray during basketball season and baseball season. We can pray at Eastland Mall or at Bloomington Commons. We can pray anywhere at any time. Now, I know some of you are saying, but we are not allowed to pray in certain places, but you can pray in your head. God hears your prayers even if they don't come out of your mouth. God knows what we're thinking and how we're praying with our mind. Jesus not only models this for us, but we have a responsibility, friends, to model this for our family, our spouses, our significant others, our children. They need to know and they need to see us model prayer because believers, my brothers and sisters, have to be able to show people and express to the people we love how important prayer is. And I know some of you saying, I, I can't be a model for any kind of behavior. But, but check this out. There is no suggestion in the New Testament that Jesus ever urged the disciples to pray. There's no suggestion in the New Testament that Jesus ever urged the disciples to pray. But his examples were more powerful than any classroom setting 
Our example is more powerful than any words we may use to try to convince people of what we believe and how we believe. Our example of our relationship with God is so important in today's world. Everywhere we are, we ought to be modeling that God is with us and God is with people. Secondly, prayer involves observing, observing. When he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, uh, this is not the first time the disciples have seen Jesus pray. Their observation of Jesus, they have learned some, some, some things about prayer. First, they have learned not to interrupt the master while he is praying. You see, prayer is a vital gift from God. We actually have been given an instrument that we can use to connect ourselves directly to the throne room of our God. Jesus was not interrupted in prayer. And this models for us that we shouldn't interrupt people when they are praying because our time with God is more important than anything that we may have to do or may be asked to do. The disciples knew to leave Jesus alone when he was praying. They said, let's watch him. And secondly, when he gets done, we will ask him about prayer. And I want to help to encourage somebody who's watching us at home or who's in the worship center today. Someone who feels like our children and our grandchildren are not growing up in the way we want them to do. Someone who may be looking at events on the television screen or reading in a newspaper or listening to the radio and seeing that the world is out of control. I want to encourage someone that prayer changes things. Brothers and sisters, if we but pray constantly and let people hear us pray, let them watch us pray, we, that they may catch us, they may not catch what's going on at the moment, but I read somewhere that if we train up a child in the ways that they should go, when they get old, they won't depart from it. Check this out. When their backs get against the wall and they can't get a breakthrough anywhere, they will remember when they watch mama and daddy and grandmama pray and got results. They'll remember when you were empowered by you're empowered by your communication with God. And the reason is they watched you. They learned from you. They knew that even during a pandemic, we don't panic because we know God has this thing. God is in control of what's going on in our world. And we model this to the people we love through prayer. Friends, Jesus prayed during his baptismal service. Jesus prayed on the mountainside. Jesus prayed during his transfiguration. Jesus prayed that we would not be sifted like wheat. Jesus prayed in the garden of Gethsemane. Jesus prayed on the cross while dying for our sins. Did you catch it? Jesus was not praying for the 12 who were watching him die on that cross. He was also praying for us who sit in this sanctuary and who sit in our places of worship today. He was praying for 
all of us. Jesus prayed for us. He prayed for our unity as his bride that we might all submit ourselves to him. Jesus prayed that we would honor one another by loving one another the way he loved us. So we being many, Jesus prayed that we may become one in him. One member, one body who is demonstrating to the world who our God is. Brothers and sisters, praying also involves teaching. Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. It is tradition that disciples commonly ask their teacher for instruction. Jesus has finished praying and the disciples, we don't know if it was one of them or several of them, asked him, teach us to pray. And in the Greek New Testament, this passage suggests that the disciples asked specifically, Lord, teach us to pray to God and how to offer prayers to God. Jesus then began to teach them not how to bow their heads and close their eyes or lay prostrate on the ground. He taught them words not as catechism. He taught them to pray earnestly from their heart and their soul. Two things has to happen. First, we have to depend on us coming to God and asking God to teach us to pray. Secondly, it tells us that Jesus is available to teach us how to pray even today. A disciple is a learner. A learner is an observer. And an observer is an asker. Jesus can handle all our discipleship questions. He can handle anything that we come to him and answer, no matter how difficult the questions may be. Friends, don't ever be afraid of asking God for what you need or what you want. Look at what he says. Whatever you need, ask of me and it shall be done. Our discipleship with Christ must involve some holy curiosity. And I need some holy curiosity today. How can I pray when I do pray? How should I pray? What should I pray for? Should I pray when I'm in pain? Askers get results. Curiosity may kill the cat, but holy curiosity makes a believer stronger in prayer. Secondly, Jesus is available to teach us, brothers and sisters, how to pray, how to teach us to communicate with our God. Prayer involves several things. Prayer encourages us. Prayer inspires us. Prayer strengthens us. Prayer empowers us. Prayer informs us. Prayer gives us the authority to go on when we don't feel like we can go on. In 1973, just graduated from East St. Louis Senior High School, and I was standing on the corner of 15th and Summit Avenue with some friends of mine. And we were just chatting the way 18-year-olds chat. And suddenly, a car pulled up in front of us. And all I remember is hearing the shots. I looked down at the white shirt that I was wearing, and it was covered with blood. I didn't know where the blood was coming from. I just know it was coming. And I can tell you, 
when you're shot, the body does an amazing thing. It shuts down the pain. It, 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 it doesn't allow you to feel what's going on at the time. And friends, I don't know how I got to St. Mary's Hospital. More importantly, I don't know how my mother got to St. Mary's Hospital. She was told that your son has been shot just below the heart. And he's in the emergency room with Dr. Ezenwa at this moment. And at St. Mary's Hospital, the emergency treatment room was not far from the emergency waiting room. And I could hear my mother through those glass doors. I could hear her praying, thank you, Jesus, for all you've done for me. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you, Jesus, for answering my prayers. Thank you for being born in a manger. Thank you for healing the sick and raising the dead. Thank you, Lord, for turning water into wine. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for being buried in a borrowed tomb. And thank you, Lord, for getting up early Sunday morning just for me. Thank you, Lord, for my ups and for my downs. Thank you, Lord, for carrying me when I could not carry myself. Thank you, Lord, for my joys. Thank you, Lord, for my pains. Thank you for this son of mine who I've been praying for ever since you have put him in my arms. Thank you, Lord, for the time you've given me with this son of yours and this son of mine. Thank you, Lord, that if he never walks out of this hospital, thank you for all the times that I've had with him. Thank you for the joy that you have brought me through him and Lord if it be your will to allow him to walk out of this place thank you Lord take take your Holy Spirit and keep him leaning and dependent on you that's a prayer of intercession we all have that ability God calls us to be avid prayers to pray for people when they don't know how to pray. One of the most powerful prayers in any movie that I've ever watched is in the movie Prayer Room. She had just finished helping a young couple whose lives were in shambles. And she goes into her prayer room and began this intercessory prayer. Watch this. done it again Lord you've done it again you are good and you are mighty and you are merciful and you keep taking care of me when I don't deserve it praise you Jesus you are Lord give me another one Lord Guide me to who you want me to help. Raise up more that will call upon your name. Raise up those that love you and seek you and trust you. Raise them up, Lord, raise them up. 
Lord, we need a generation of believers who are not ashamed of the gospel. We need an army of believers, Lord, that hate to be lukewarm and will stand on your word above all else. Raise them up, Lord, raise them up. I pray for unity among those that love you. I pray that you open their eyes so that they can see your truth, Lord. I pray for your hand of protection and guidance. Raise up a generation, Lord, that will take light into this world, that will not compromise when under pressure, that will not cower, Lord, when others fall away. Raise them up, Lord, that they will proclaim that there is salvation in the name of Jesus Christ. Raise up warriors, Lord, who will fight on their knees, who will worship you with their whole hearts, Lord. Lord, call us to battle that we may proclaim you King of kings and Lord of lords. I pray these things with all my heart. Raise them up, Lord, raise them up. What Christians can do in our world today is pray. Would you stand and sing this favorite hymn of mine, Sweet Hour of Prayer? <laughs> 